Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Dong, ling, dong, ding, dong, ring, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. You got dong. a dreidel there. You spin what? the little dreidel. You're Jewish <laughs> if you care. Hey, hey. dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. What? Are we, are we not singing our favorite holiday songs? It's Frank Junatra uh, coming in. <laughs> a couple of hits for the holidays. I had a little dreidel. It's not as cool as Christmas. <laughs> Just shut up, spin the dreidel. Just be thankful for what you got. Um, and we are thankful that we were given a week off for the holidays. It's been a crazy year for us, and we want to soak in a little time with ourselves, with our families over Zoom. Of course, I'm going nowhere, but that's fine. I made it. <laughs> Lexi and I made a list of Christmas movies that we're going to inundate ourselves with over the couple days of Christmas, while we essentially just cook food and eat it the whole time, as as well as open presents. It's like literally what all we're gonna do, and just 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 barrel through. I'm gonna get blasted on eggnog. Till I find and kill an elf. <laughs> but we, we, in lieu of a normal episode, we wanted to continue this train rolling by compiling our episodes of uh, this. Uh, the year that was, we did the year that was, I believe, 01, 02, and 03 for the Thanksgiving uh, replacement episode. Now we'll bring you the next set. 040506 and we do hope you guys enjoy that and if you'd like to get more content like that head on over to patreon patreon.com forward slash whizbrew uh, if you'd like to get more weekly bonus content for us and we will continue our year in uh, the year that was series as well but um, either way uh, thank you so much for allowing us this week to celebrate and to sleep and all that good stuff and I'm excited about the year to come Jake uh, I feel like Every time I think we've covered everything, we've got so many more to cover, uh, so many more subjects. That Excelsior, Holton, ever upwards. We're just going higher and higher, and we ain't going to stop till I intricately explain the history of Super Trolls. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, any shout out? Should we shout out our researcher that's helped us out this year? I'm very thankful for the help of Sean Aitchison, who's uh, been helping us out on research. He's a freelancer. You can hire him for your own nerdy projects or your blog. Just uh, check him out on Twitter. Sean, eight, number eight, you, you are son, and you can find him. 
Uh, shout outs to Mary, our producer, for putting in those audio clips week in, week out, for putting these episodes together. Shout outs also to Fernando, who puts together our bonus episodes for Patreon. Thank you, man. I know you're listening to this right now because you have to. Thank you so much for everything you do, buddy. And uh, yeah, and of course, the, the whole network uh, as a whole, Last Podcast Network, Spotify, Henry, Marcus, Ben, uh, all those people, big dumb Ed Larson. He's the dumbest man alive. He tried to eat his own hand. I had to remind him. You can't eat your own body. You have to let that be the only thing that lives. He was like, me hand, part of body. He was like, yeah, it's a part of your body. Just, it was so insane. So He was holding potato chips in the hand. I can see how he was confused. The point is, there's, you know, this podcast is a, is the work of a lot of people, uh, including you guys for supporting us uh, on here on Spotify and on Patreon. And we're deeply grateful for you guys as well. Yeah. Th- thank you to everybody who is a part of our Patreon. Thank you to our wonderful Sunday study group that meets with us every Sunday. It has been an amazing time thus far to do that with you guys. And yeah, just everybody who listens and uh, we, we have no plans on stopping. We are going to be doing this for years to come, I hope. And uh, Jake, Thank you, buddy, for uh, one hell of a being one hell of a co-host through all of this. And thank you, Holden, for being my rock, my foundation, as I just fall apart as at the seams constantly. I mean, I'm gonna say Marie should be that for you, but I'm fine you to be both a are. temporary I'm a substitute. Goddamn mess, Holden. <laughs> I need eight to seventeen people around me at all times to pick up the pieces. So, uh, without further ado, uh, please enjoy The Year That Was, Part 2, and we'll see you in the new year. Take care, everyone. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another bonus episode of Wizard and the Bruiser, and you are listening to us back in the year 2004. We're clawing our way through the 2000s. That's right. We're like time worms just wriggling through the chronological dirt. And I am still in college. And actually, this looks like a good year for the college movie, to be quite honest with you. I'm already seeing a lot of things popping out. I That's think, confirmation bias. You were just in college. Well, I'm just saying Team America, Anchorman, Shaun of the Dead. I mean, these are great dorm, dorm room movies. I mean, and, and we were the, blasting Outcast and just playing the Maroon 5 album over and over again. Napoleon Dynamite. You know what I mean? It was just, it was a good year for it. And just playing way too much Halo 2. That's, yeah, I, I, so I definitely miss, you want to start with video games? We got to start with video video games. Let's Uh, start. We're deep in PlayStation 3, GameCube, Xbox territory still. Yeah, this is my weird, like, I'm trying to be too cool for video games, but I definitely still really like video games because, uh. But I think I had blinders on. I was like, I only, I'll only play like GTA San Andreas. That's the real shit, and I don't want to go any deeper than that because I don't, I don't want to want to be one of those. You know mm. what I mean? Those people. I'm a cool kid, huh? Go to parties, throw keggers. <laughs> Not and- me. I was sitting alone on my Dell laptop playing Unreal Tournament 2004. So give me, give me the lowdown on this. Uh, for you because it sounds like you're playing a lot of online shooters which is a no no just unreal tournament 2004 i was not playing counter-strike source i was not playing halo i was not playing battlefield i was just just uh just playing the same three levels of (laughs) unreal tournament 2004 uh spamming the vehicles i remember because you could get a lot of kills and you wouldn't get uh headshot immediately really just a just a real piece of shit 
this is when the Xbox is actually starting to do shit too. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit, right? I mean, Halo comes out and people like it, but Halo Two. Uh, also, you've got Fable. Fable, huge, 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 huge. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, Chronicles of Riddick, uh, Escape from what's it Butcher called? Bay. Escape from Butcher Bay is like a, this sleeper, awesome game that mm-hmm. I almost want to go back and play because people love it so much. But Xbox is really starting to become the con- the go to console in a, in certain ways. Like with with I think especially with Halo and online play. Is this the, the way? It's, this means Xbox 360 at this point, right? No, uh, no, no, regular Xbox. In fact, um, I'm seeing a lot of like uh, the things that are uh, really kind of opening my mind to like where things are going is kind of um, on the PC side of things because we got like Doom Three with that crazy like lighting system and the yes. horrible mechanic where you can't shoot and hold a flashlight at the same time. Uh, we got stuff like Half Life Two, which was groundbreaking in yes. the physics engine in the narrative storytelling and this just was also around the time when prestige pc gaming when counter-strike nights mm-hmm. this sort of thing was happening in my like proximity i had friends who were doing this sort of thing i wasn't doing it i was not to pc gaming at all, all like i said all i had was what playstation 2 san andrea uh, gta san andreas i even missed out on Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, which I'm kind of shocked about. I, I totally just didn't play that game, which is like so bizarre to me. I really just had, I just only wanted to play GTA. Also, uh, San Andreas, so many people say it's their favorite. I had my issues with that game. I think my number one issue was the world was just so big and maybe my PS2 was just too old. <laughs> but I, there was especially this one mission where I had to take a motorbike and drive it across this like massive area you of land. You chase the train, right? This is Something a legendary like uh, mission that was so frustrating, and but but it would glitch out mm-hmm. half like uh, like way into the mission, and I think I didn't love how big I was. Like it's cool how big they were able to make this, but that doesn't necessarily a good game make. You know what I mean? I was kind of like it, it 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 just because this is huge doesn't mean like but it was it was when they could make things really big, but they didn't know exactly how to necessarily populate that giant space with interesting stuff so you're like wow this is impressively big but there's nothing here it's just a bunch of fucking woodlands you know what i mean it's a function of the technology because they figured out how to do big but busy and full of things was still hard yes so i kind of i i still love i still preferred vice city to san andreas but i i remember going to i guess it was gamestop still back then uh but either way going going the opening day Getting that, you know, getting that disc, taking it home, getting that, uh, that game, and just so excited, like because of how much fun I had with three and Vice City. Uh, I didn't get into this, but so many people in my immediate circle just lost their lives to World of Warcraft, which came out. Yes, in two thousand four. Also, I feel like it was getting to the point. What, did World of Warcraft come out in two thousand four? Are you sure? I feel like we've talked about World of Warcraft already. Uh, it started in 04. It says uh, it's in the 2004 in video games wiki article. Okay. Uh, yeah, either either way, I think at this point, yeah, people are getting actually... I think video game addiction wasn't a thing until around now. It With was Halo 2, late 2004 uh, no, yeah. in November. Gotcha. So this is what begins the conversation about becoming actually addicted to video game, looking at gaming as a potential addictive substance 
to a certain degree. Was I mean, like, I was addicted was back in the NES days, so I could have told them that. If you were cool and interesting, which I was not, then you were playing Katamari Damacy this year. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. definitely happened. A lot of stuff sure. that, uh, yeah, wow. There's a lot of stuff here that I'm just like, not. yeah, I didn't play the Pokemon Red and Green re-releases. Did well, not battle. play. Star Wars Battlefront apparently was too. Oh, I played so much goddamn Star Wars Battlefront because that was they had an amazing split screen. Basically, anything that could be played split screen, I was I was on board with. A game I actually now now that I'm about to beat Origami King, I want to go back to because I've heard it's super good. I kind of want to go back and play Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Thousand Year Door is one of the yeah I think maybe for a lot of people the peak of the Paper Mario series. I'm also seeing Super Mario 64 for the Nintendo DS, so I think the DS is like just being that awesome handheld at this point, and really, really blowing things away. I don't see a ton of stuff for the DS on on this uh, list I'm looking at. But Did it just come out? That might be because then Mario that's 64. the whole story. If the DS came, no, the DS uh, came out yeah. when I was still in high school. Maybe the light okay. came out. No, wait, no, no, no. November 21st, Nintendo launches its DS handheld in the United yeah. States. So this was the DS fat, so it hadn't quite reached peak DS. It was still that like kind of awkward, chunky version with like the shittier screen and like the yeah, not quite prime DS in my opinion. Everyone loved Spider Man Two, the video game. I was not like, was that the one where you could like actually the first time you really felt like you could really swing around the city? That was, I believe, that was the one with the innovative swinging mechanics that uh, has kind of been enshrined in gaming history because it was literally added at like the last second by like a single developer working overtime. Mm. You also have KOTOR 2 just to throw it out there because we definitely talked about that. Tony Hawk is is definitely declining in popularity at this point with uh, the introduction of Bam Margera into Tony Hawk's Underground 2. <laughs> definitely a low point for the series for sure. The first Far Cry. So that's going to be a game. That's Another like, big PC gaming moment. Yeah, big PC game and a precursor to a very successful series, but a bit of an obscure, like an oddball in its in its initial outing. Uh, yeah. Oh, Gary's Mod, huh? Yeah, Gary's Mod, Cave Story, which is like this legendary yes. indie platformer that kind of kind of ushered in the great big indie pixel revival that then took over the 2000s. I really think too. I mean, Half Life Two, just to go back to that. That yeah. was that really was. I feel like that was where the real, where where I first started hearing like things are happening on PC that just aren't happening anywhere else when mm-hmm. it comes to gaming and like you need to check this out like you need to get into this or or at least know what's going on with this and 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 feeling a little bit of like oh like the idea of even having a dedicated gaming PC I feel like this was just starting to be a thing with Half Life Two and Counter Strike and, and yes. World of Warcraft. All you Blinks fans, Blinks 2, Masters of Time and Space did come out. Our favorite time-sweeping cat is back again in Blinks 2, Masters of Time and Space. We acknowledged it. Don't send me angry emails. Oh, my God. All right. I think that's it for me for games. Do you want to move on to movies? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel weird that, like, among the games I played the most is shit like uh, Bejeweled 2. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, for me, definitely with a bullet is San Andreas. But again, I think I was trying to play the least amount of video games possible and get laid as much as humanly possible. So I think that was kind of the uh, equation I, I, I had devised for myself. And then it became completely acceptable later on to be a person who plays video games. So just mm. didn't, uh, didn't factor in. Oof. I, oh, I just looked at the movie list and there is some weird, weird entries. So, yeah. I remember. I guess I, I have an. Let's let's make. start with let's start with good memories because other because okay. the 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 weird flops are kind of overwhelming me. Well, I was going to say I have an admission to make. I've never seen Napoleon Dynamite. What I saw of Napoleon Dynamite and the way that people treated the property kind of annoyed me. It's kind of like the first like Rick and Morty esque thing I came into contact with, where I'm like, there's all these inside jokes and everybody just thinks they're so like above other people because they get it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they get the comedy of this thing, and I just kind of rolled my eyes at that. But did you remember? Did did, did you see Napoleon? Should I go back and watch Napoleon Dynamite? I, I don't know how you could watch it now with the eyes of someone in two thousand four. That like right. really is just seeing this like quaint little indie comedy with this like very uh, endearing cast of unknowns without just like having flashbacks of annoying like roommates in a vote for Pedro shirt. So <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. quite know if it was you can like do in, that. it was like inside joke the movie like it was so right well I mean, it, I... no no it was inside it was like uh, it definitely uh, suffered from I guess Austin Powers syndrome mm-hmm. where every little tagline and punchline just became its own like overused meme for people without a lot of creativity but as it stand as an accomplishment of like what a small indie director and writer can do telling like a small story that wouldn't get made otherwise and having it succeed on its own terms. It is like, I I mean, you're not going to be mad at it. It's a fun <laughs> little movie. So, all right, let's talk about good memories. One of my fondest memories watching movies this year was it was like a Saturday or a Sunday. It could have been the middle of the week actually, because it was college, but either way it was first thing I woke up, I got in the car. I think maybe with Henry, we drove to Ed Larson's house. I definitely know Ed was a part of this because we sat down I think he had two blunts waiting for us, like just way overkill, way too much weed. We smoked the shit out of, we smoked the both in their entirety. I was out of my mind. Then we went directly to the movie theater, got a soda and a thing of popcorn, sat down to watch Anchorman. And I, Mm. my stomach hurt from laughing during that movie. And it's funny because not too long ago, Lexi was like, oh, I've never seen it. I was like, are you kidding? And we threw it on and it definitely like, not, didn't nearly hold a candle to my movie theater experience. Let's just say that in terms of uh, receiving the film. But I fell hook, line, and sinker for that movie in the theater. I was so in love with that. It was just so odd and great. And it was, we talked about pure horror in our last bonus episode where we talked about horror films. This was like, to me, comedy distilled to its purest sense. Like every moment in that movie was an attempt to get you to laugh. It was as weird as it could be to try to get you to laugh. It was like as jokey as it could be to get you laugh. It was the character's stuff was so great. The improvisational stuff was so great. And, and just, it was uh, peak Will Ferrell doing the ultimate Will yeah. Ferrell move, which is just saying in a loud, uh, confused voice, the joke of the scene that he's actively yes. in. <laughs> just yes. being like, that got out of hand. Like, just- but also it was like a real standout for Carell. 
Mm-hmm. I love Lamp. Like, yeah. his whole character was fucking the best. Uh, Afternoon Delight, that whole sequence was just so out of nowhere and so surprising and great, where they, like, sing all of Afternoon Delight, uh, perfectly harmonizing with each other to describe what a, what sex was like. Uh, it, it was... Or what lovemaking was like. It was just... I mean, this is a big year for all of our comedy heroes. Like, Mean yeah. Girls also came out. And so, yes. like, for all the Tina fans... It's basically... All the people we grew up loving on Saturday Night Live got to make their own movies with all the humor that we appreciate. And we're actually successful yeah. at it. Because, like, we've seen attempts in the past that were not, but this was, like, a banging year. Besides, okay, you can't just judge the whole system because of Night at the Roxbury. Or it's of uh, Koki Romero or whatever. Koki <laughs> um, Romero so funny. was an anomaly. Lex just texted me, my last student was wearing a Vote for Pedro shirt. She's 12. She was teaching a class. That's hilarious. Amazing. Uh, Okay, fine. Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah also starred in Taxi, and that wasn't great either. Okay, you make a point. Well, uh, there was also the beginnings in a different way for comedy heroes, not just on the SNL front. Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Game changer. Uh, was, was I feel like the introduction for a lot of people to, to um, what's his stupid face? <laughs> To Edgar, Edgar Wright. Wright and Simon Pegg and, and Nick Frost and Nick Frost and was just this ma- massively like I ch- kind of changed the face of comedy in certain ways. Uh, definitely it changed into, the face of comedy for a very specific narrow uh, yes. demographic of nerds who liked that energy. Yeah, but but actually made it popular, mm-hmm. you know, popularized this very nerdy com- comedic approach and 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 playing off of genre and all these things like being a horror nerd. You had a better time watching this movie. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that 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 was the beginning of nerds being a cool, being nerdy, being a cool thing. Like that, it, that definitely I think introduced that. Also, big shout outs. I loved Team Team America: World Police, and I remember yeah. I rented it. That was actually a movie. Talk about needing a crowd to better enjoy comedy. I can't. Mm-hmm. I think I said that in the last episode, but either way, I rented Team America: World Police, and I was howling with laughter sitting alone in my in my bedroom at home. I must have watched it like. While I was home for Christmas or something, or, or the summer, but either way, I loved that. Of course, that I is mean, from, I was at peak South Park fanboy. Yeah. So like that is from South the South Park creators. Uh, they use those old school puppets. There's the whole sex scene with uh, Kim Jong Il. It's a musical. People like j- yes. just kind of gloss over that, but it is a full blown musical. Years before, uh, you know, Book of Mormon for those guys. Same with I used to tell people my favorite musical is South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> I used to that used to be like my honest to God favorite musical. And again, another movie where it's like, yeah, that was like they were they love musicals (laughs) like they make in my head. I I still hum to myself the tune of uh, Pearl Harbor sucked and I love you. There was you know what? I think this was also okay. So if you look at Shaun of the Dead uh, in terms of like the DNA, Shaun of the Dead, Napoleon Dynamite and also another movie throw out there. I heart Huckabees. This was, I think, the dawn of the like super popular indie movie. A little bit. Well, it's kind of this weird thing because, like, I Heart Huckabees, um, we got The Life Aquatic, we got, mm-hmm. um, what was another one I just saw? Uh, that Life was... Aquatic was huge. For... That was uh, 04, Life Aquatic? It's on the list. Uh, huh? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. These are Again, all, like... huge. I forgot to mention that one. That one's massive. But massive. it's, like, indie whimsy with, like, actual production values behind yes. it. And, like... It's just, and they were, all these movies, I just, my heart like swells when I think about them because I love them so, because they were the exact right amount of deep for a college-aged guy at that point. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. And they're just really good movies. Um, just trying to... Should we stick to genre, or should we stick to just, like, naming cool shit that we remember real well? We can kind of dance around. I think indie is really popping out to me, because I'm also seeing Before Sunset, which I love the, the those movies. That is Linklater. If you've never seen Before Sunset, I highly recommend it. Before Sunset, and then I believe After Sunrise is the second one, or Before Sunrise is the second one. Either way... Uh, those movies, maybe this was the sequel, actually. Oh, God, I'm just rambling now. But either way, those Linklater movies essentially just follows two people following, falling in love who randomly meet on a day, like, walking around Italy, I think it is, or Paris. And it's just, like, so good because you just... It takes you back to a time where... I don't know if this ever happened to you, but you have this, like, long, amazing day with someone that just sparks you, you know? And... and they capture that so well, that like magical afternoon that hopefully everyone's had. Uh, uh, Sideways, another mm-hmm. great, and this is like the year I feel like of the awesome indie. Uh, Primer, which was a Primer's crazy huge. indie uh, sci-fi horror thriller thing. And um, also, also it is the year of the obnoxious indie movie with Garden State, and I of course <laughs> talk about a movie you don't want to be in college when it gets released. I would definitely say you it sucks to be in college. You can't. It's just because you didn't like the people who liked it doesn't mean it. Did, Garden State didn't <laughs> no, I absolutely also drop an atom bomb. I also don't like the movie though. I think the movie is cheesy as hell. That soundtrack, I'm not going to argue the soundtrack was great and it did turn I think a lot of people on to really good music that they probably hadn't heard before and I'm not going to uh, give it shit for that. Just the whole everything about the plot of it and the way that people act in it uh, just annoyed the piss out of me even as a, a floaty college kid. But this is probably the year I discovered Postal Service. And the shins and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Again, indie music. So it was like that. Like, yeah, I was listening to uh, Rilo Kylie. Mm-hmm. You know, all this kind of stuff and for sure. I think I was like coming out of my jazz phase and getting into this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. What are some movies that scream out to you as like, oh fuck, that thing? Saw. Saw. Uh, this is this is the advent of uh, the the beginning of torture porn film. In horror yeah. as a horror genre, uh, hated it in the theater. Out. And you saw it? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, I had friends who were nerds. They loved horror. I know we just did another bonus episode about all the horror movies I didn't no, see. No, but I, you didn't talk about this. You saw? So I never saw it. I never you, saw Saw. You never saw so Saw? You, what was it like seeing it in the theater? And you said you hated it in the theater. When I saw Saw in the theater, uh, yeah, it was just torture porn. Like the idea of all these weird, arbitrary contraptions that like are supposed to be ironic deaths for people's, like, uh, sins in life. Just being, like, like it's it's literally just an eight-year-old being like, okay, like, what if a thing was going to, you had to rip your arm off, but it, it would snap your head off if you don't, like, just shit, the, uh, the ending, the big dumb twist ending with the guy on the floor, like, just, ugh, did not like it, and then just had to watch in dejection as the next 10 years were just full of those sequels. Did your friends like it? I mean, nah, they were like nerds about it too. You know, these were the kind of people that like had all of John Carpenter's movies on DVD. So like, yeah, they also thought it was schlocky. Um, in terms of movies that like actually haunted me, shit like uh, The Machinist starring yeah. Christian Bale fucked me up. Fuck, man. Uh, also, another one that haunted me, Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland came out... Uh this time with uh, 
Johnny Depp and uh, oh god, the, plot the of butterfly is. effect came out in two thousand four. Hilarious. There was a lot of heady, uh, you know, you had with Primal heady, and again, Primal was like a, another indie though, but heady sci-fi, you know, convoluted plot kind of thing. Uh, the two thousand four Punisher starring Thomas Jane came out. Uh, Torque, the shitty Fast and Furious ripoff with but with motorcycles came out. God, a lot of weird shit. I will say I did enjoy Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events with Jim Carrey. I saw that in the theater and quite enjoyed that. Very much so. White Chicks? We uh, White Chicks came out? <laughs> which I How's- had to rewatch. I've heard people be like, White Chicks is actually one of the like most woken movies through the lens of history at this point. It's always funny, too, to see the big epic movies that no one cares about anymore. In this case, The Aviator Oh yeah, fuck that movie. Was on. I mean, I, the Passion of the Christ came out this year. Another another big one for the, those uh, romantics out there. The Notebook came out this uh, year as well. Like these are all things I was not really. I, the Aviator, I was. I watched. I, I usually watched even back then, like any prestige, like Oscar, big Oscar kind of movie for sure. But that's about it. Downfall came out, which now only exists with Hitler memes. In the popular consciousness. Oh, is that that? Uh, is that what I always see? The still the, shots? Yeah, yeah. The Hitler, Last Days of Hitler movie. There was, I was in college and there was an indie theater, uh, like a pretentious art house theater in downtown DC that like was within walking distance. So on any random afternoon, I would, yeah, make my way over there. Um, I will say another big one for animation, The Incredibles was. Oh, yeah. Greatly popular, big, you know, launched that whole franchise. Um, sure. Two movies that were definitely up there for me. Uh, the first Hellboy movie. Uh-huh. Fucking loved that shit as much as a human being possibly could. And, and I'll say it before you can say it, Catwoman, starring Halle Banks. Of course, that basketball scene, one of the most priceless, incredible scenes in movie Halle making. Berry has never been more feline and in a movie than in Catwoman. If you've never seen the basketball scene from Catwoman starring Halle Berry, I need you to go to YouTube right now and look it up. It is one of the cringiest scenes ever made in a film. Uh, Spider-Man 2, actually. Maybe my favorite superhero movie of all time. Really? Uh, it's a better Marvel movie than like most of the Marvel movies at this point. I ain't going to argue with you. Yeah, I ain't going to argue that. I, I think I... I think I have other like not it maybe it's probably the most like one of my favorite by the books superhero mm-hmm. movies of all time. I think I'm more drawn to those kind of bizarre ones. That's fair. That's ones. fair. Um but just the way it like uh just uh the on the nose Iraq war analogy with uh Alfred Molina's uh Doctor Octopus, the uh train scene is a real tearjerker. Uh, I don't know. It really, I felt like, and it definitely, it took place in like the Stanley New York that like a lot of that the modern Marvel movies just kind of like gloss over for this kind of uniform, universal, global blockbuster aesthetic. For sure. Um, plus, uh, I still uh, still have a candle burning for Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Oh wait, was no no was uh, James was Amnesia James Franco from Spider Man three, or did they do it in Spider Man two? I forget. Oh, I can't, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, I pleasant memories. I'm gonna rewatch it now that I'm seeing it and getting wistful. Shall we look at television for a little bit? Or, let us uh, let us ooh. cast our gaze to. Obviously, we got some real fucking. We got uh, ha- we got Rescue Me starring Dennis Leary. 
We got Stargate Atlantis. Uh, I wouldn't watch it till later, but for me, the big standout here so far is Deadwood. That that debuts in 2004 about the, of course, the old West, uh, the the classic known uh, character played by Ian McShane of Swearingen. Such a great cast. Canceled before its time. It only got three seasons, and it ends on a big cliffhanger. Amazing TV show. Uh, very, very good. Great monologues in that show, and just a great old West. Like it felt like an authentic old West TV show. Bleach debuts in two thousand four. Oh, great! I am not <laughs> proud of my Bleach days. Uh, <laughs> if we had to point out two thousand four animes on this list, uh, Samurai Seven is an amazing like sci-fi and, fantasy retelling of the Seven and Samurai. The Cowboy Bebop uh, follow-up, Samurai Champloo. Uh, that's another great one. Uh, Desert Punk, which a lot of people like, uh, doesn't get a lot of love, was a great little uh, kind of dystopian scavenger uh, action anime that I grew to love. And uh, Justice League Unlimited, maybe some of my favorite superhero television ever made, was also 2004, according to this. Oh my God. Ugh, ugh. I just look, okay. Uh, on the comedies front, all I saw was fucking Drawn Together, which just a, a real smear on the face of uh, just comedy history. I remember liking Drawn Together because it was so over-the-top filthy. I, it's, I felt so bad every time I watched it. Really? Uh, why? why? I, it was I don't just have a, a lot of cheap jokes. A lot yeah, of just like... It was like really just... I think I liked it. I was just like, oh, this is so over-the-top, you know gross and filthy yeah. and whatever that was kind of what it went for right it was just really like it's the kind of show that would go for like a chinese person goes flied lice and it's yeah, not like yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. joke it was it was like it was funny because it was so in your face offensive yeah uh mighty boosh good mighty boosh good, good. entourage meh i actually enjoy i actually again you're naming things you don't like but i actually did enjoy entourage for the first like few seasons you know, it was this sort of response to Sex in the City, but with with dude bros. I liked how I liked how it was just like no stakes. It was like just mm-hmm. this turn your brain off TV show. Mm. I didn't get into it till years later. I like got the box set of the first season. Also, Lost started in two thousand four. Lost and Battlestar Galactica, yeah. two big dumb mysteries that did not pay off, and now I'm mad about it. <laughs> Uh, the yeah. 4400 yeah we were getting this was the year of uh, the the big dumb mystery show the big dumb mystery show I'm not I never got into house but house started this year or oh desperate housewives would become this massive thing I'm kind of surprised shameless was around this time as well it feels like it came out later than this time yeah another show I have heard is good but I just could not. Get, I just couldn't get... Wait, wait, Shane, no, 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 this is different. What is this? Oh, is this the BBC version of Shameless? I was like, yeah, I felt like Shameless... Shameless yeah. the Showtime show was, I guess, based on this, so maybe I'd okay. like this better. Yeah, interesting. So I was like, wow, I feel like Shameless came out way later than this, so this was just the beginning of of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, we got Veronica Mars, uh, which obviously affected a lot of people. Um, the L word, which obviously affected a lot of things. My wife loved the L word. Uh, Adult Swim was uh, very much on its, you know, doing its thing. We got Perfect Hair yep. Forever. Tom goes to the mayor. Uh, drawn together. Now I'm like so curious to go back and watch an episode. Go back and together. watch Drawn Together. And I know report. it's <laughs> awful and racist, right? I mean, just yeah. racist. Yeah, uh, I gotta. This was like this was like pre. Um, 
pre like being uh, drawn yeah, together yeah. super couldn't exist today. Like you, <laughs> it's like right. a it's like the people who greenlit South Park did not understand that it was actually funny, and that's why yeah. it worked. Yeah, or commenting on... I'm making on... so many enemies right now. I'm sure the Drawn Together fandom is going to no, attack me. because I remember genuinely thinking this show is hilarious and great, and I even agree with you. <laughs> that, like, I remember liking it, but I remember liking it because it was, like, just fuck you offensive. Uh, and there was oh, something liberating about a that. A big, big year for reality TV. Uh, I'm seeing uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter, uh, Pimp My Ride, Biggest Loser, and The Apprentice. Whoopsie doodle. Whoops. Big whoops on that one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh, God. No, that's American Hot Rod, not American Chopper. Ghost Hunters. Okay. Okay. We're we're beginning to... And The Dog Whisperer. Great. Great. We got Caesar Milan as a household name in 2004. All right. Well, I think that about does it, right, Jake? I think we continue to worm our way through the through the grist of time itself. I'm fascinated to get out of college, which is going to happen mm-hmm. after the next episode, or der, no, no, after the next episode. Oh six, well, I will be going to New York, and it's just such a transition, such a tra- crazy change. So it'll be really fascinating to go to leap from thing to thing, and I get back into video games in like the 2010s. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it'll just be so fascinating, or the late 2000s. So it'll just be fascinating to see that. And be like, oh, I played all this shit. <laughs> Whereas now I look at video games like, oh, I was only playing like one of these games, even though I recognize how important all the other ones are. All right, thank you again for uh, checking Ugh. this out with us. <laughs> what? I just checked uh, music in 2004. Just to, This was the year that that fucking uh, uh, Los Lonely Boys song, How Far Is Heaven, came out that like mm. I still can't escape when I'm like depressed and in a CVS. Terrifying. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Man, I, what what was two thousand five? Been for around me? that truck, but I'm not gonna happen like that because there ain't no hollaback. Oh, I hated hollaback no girl back, back in the day. I hated holding that. the shit was bananas. B A N A N A S. It was two thousand five. I was still in college. Uh, I was frequently frequenting anime club, going to uh, barely getting through my classes and just watching. Way too much anime. And by the way, way more than Holla Girl 
was definitely the gorillas hitting the scene. What? No, gorillas was out before that. Uh, did they get um? Wait, Feel Good Inc. says Feel Good Inc. was two thousand five. But they all, but uh, they, they already did uh, Clint Eastwood. You know. Yeah, but that wasn't anything like when that uh, that album dropped, and the iPod happened all at the same time. <laughs> it was like this perfect synergy. That Gorillaz album was everything, especially for college kids. Oh, that was wait a huge. minute. Wait a minute. Was 2005? Okay, okay. So American Idiot came out in 2004, but the number seven song of 2005 was Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. <laughs> also, this is the year Weezer fully shit the bed for me with uh, their release of Beverly Hills. Oh, which, that was pretty bad. That was the ultimate, oh, wow, I'm no longer a fan of Weezer. <laughs> Coming from a kid who would regularly put on Pinkerton for everybody in the apartment to scream along, scream sing along to. So you're saying you weren't, so you weren't saying, gimme, gimme, to living in Beverly Hills? Is that what you're saying? Nope. Yeah, that was really the end for me with them, for sure. Uh, I love that we're starting with music, but it is a good way to start because it kind of puts you right in the mind space, the headset, the headspace. Of of this time, I mean, for me again, yeah, it's definitely Gorillas. That's like the big, big one of when it comes to new music. Uh, oh, so many. I mean, Kelly Clarkson had her one-two punch with "Since You've Been Gone" and "Behind mm-hmm. These Hazel Eyes." Uh, <laughs> fucking oh, we're at prime uh, fifty cent with "Candy Shop" and "Disco Inferno." Dear mm-hmm. God, I was largely just listening to classic rock and like underground hip hop, like Def Jux and stuff. Like, I was listening to LP around this time, Cannibal Ox, all that kind of stuff. Like, before, you know, way before LP was widely known because of uh, Run the Jewels. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I got to look up, like, what were the... Was this, like, around the Hold Steady? Like, is this what... In, is that like where we were in mu- in music? I feel at that like point? that wasn't. That's going to be more prominent when we, at least for me, when I get to, uh, when I get to New York City, and then yeah. I feel like a lot of that stuff really. Oh, oh, but I was definitely, you know, I was definitely listening. Obviously, we talked about uh, Garden State last time for mm-hmm. the 2004 episode, but you know, since that came out. The Shins, Postal Service, these become household names, especially for people in my age group or younger. That, that was very, you know, I was definitely listening to Rilo Kylie at this point, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and trips to the CD store was still a cool thing to do back at this point. Uh, I see Kanye had touched the sky at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. Kanye was hitting, for sure. Kanye for showed sure. up at my college, and I didn't go because I didn't know who he was yet, and I regret it. Because in theory, that was like the most pure, the most. Yeah, that would have been a decent time for it uh, to to see him do his thing. All right, let's get into it. Where do you want to where do you want to go to now? Let's go into movies or games. I say, Uh, let's see. Let's you know what? Let's start with movies this time. Okay. Uh, uh, Immediately what pops out to me, Devil's Rejects. That was a big one for me. That was, you know, when Rob Zombie was just hitting on all cylinders and he was like the cool kid director for sure, at least in my crew for sure. Also, oh, also, uh, definitely the first time I was like, wow, I feel like they just l- totally, literally adapted a comic book into a movie for the first time ever with Sin City. And I, this was when I was, fi- I was actually now fully back into comics. I had read Sin City, 
Dark Knight Returns, um, you know, Watchmen and and all that stuff. That was when I was like reading all of the Max mm. for the first time. And and uh, but Sin City was one of the big ones in terms of like older people getting into back into comic books. One of the first recommendations is is was Sin City because it was just such a you know it was so right right on the money with like the the noir style and the interesting you know black and white playing with the black and white format and doing this gritty badass dude thing so yeah there's a lot of like really good nerdy adaptations that came out in 2005 uh we got V for Vendetta yep that was was that the Wachowskis I believe or I believe let me look it up let me double check no no i'd probably screenplay by the wachowskis directed by james mctee well they did a pretty good job with that screenplay i think that i think they did pretty good batman begins was 2005 another like basically note for note adaptation of uh batman year one it's like it's like the prelude to superheroes taking over cinema was this year essentially like this year, people are starting to really r- recognize comics and comic storytelling for for you know with the respect that it, it finally deserved and and with the uh, cha ching cha ching, we can make a lot of money off of these properties and these stories and they they really just start to chip away at that concept in two thousand five and uh, fucking another episode that we've covered uh, the Firefly movie Serenity also came out. God, that was that was such a surreal thing being in the theater for that. Yeah, a weirdly empty theater. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> it was such like it was specifically the thrill of getting like Firefly back, and then like but seeing the empty theater and being like, oh, this is the last Firefly we're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> also, also uh, speaking of people shitting the bed, you had Weezer, and then uh, I think we talked about Big Fish on our last episode for 2004 and now we've got the year of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and this is officially when Tim Burton just stopped being the like awesome fucking <laughs> must see in the theater director that he had been up to this point and that was a bit of a uh, why are they doing this like that was just a bit of a like uh, oh god son of the mask is this year too god no, help us all forget it forget it <laughs> That was that was the the such a weird thing. Everybody was like, "Why are you remaking Charlie and Chocolate Factory? It's a terrible idea. Why are we doing this? Why is this all CGI? What is <laughs> happening?" Uh, so yeah, I think it's one of those movies that like I think we're a little too old for it, and we grew up with the uh, Gene Wilder original. I think we're gonna see like some emerging Gen Zers who are perfectly fine with that version of Willy Wonka. And, like, we're going to have to be okay with Right. That. Yeah. Uh, similarly, with the idea of people being of being okay with uh, the next generation uh, loving something that we absolutely hated, uh, episode three uh, uh, was that uh, Revenge of the Sith. I, I oh, by the my way, God. that was what I was about to say. I was about to say, but I refuse. I will not be accepting that those movies were good. Stop trying to make them good. They aren't good, internet. I hate the fucking prequel meme garbage. Hold it. I'm you such can't an old man your, about it. You might as you are an old man and you are yelling at a cloud. There's no <laughs> you're not gonna be able to like take a time machine, go back through the veil of chronology, and like slap enough children to make them form traumatic memories with these movies. It's just not going to happen. Did you have a movie theater experience with episode three, Revenge of the Sith? I, so I was so 
I had a near, I already used the word traumatic and I'll use something less less dramatic about, I had a, a real poopsie time with Attack of the Clones because it was, the, I went to the Zigfield Theater in New York City for like a premiere screening uh, with my good friend who like got us tickets. The crowd was full of people in costume and the whole idea was like, okay, Phantom Menace was kind of weird baby shit, but they got their act together. Now they can tell a good story. And like, <laughs> obviously it was literally the worst movie in the entire franchise, uh, barring Rise of, Squ- Rise of Skywalker. I think Attack of the Clones is the worst. Is that what you're saying? Is yeah, the yeah worst Attack you- of the Clones yeah. is the worst. But then, I think it's worse than Rise of Sky. I haven't. I, fuck it. I can't say. I, I still have not seen Rise of the Skywalker, which is ridiculous, especially because I have Disney Plus. But I refuse to believe that that movie is worse than Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. It's it's boring. It's insanely boring. Yeah, I think that's okay. the most damning thing about it. But it's boring in such a counterintuitive way that you can't believe that. Act, like when you watch Rise of Skywalkers, you can tell competent people made this in a highly compromised focus group boardroom just just watered down way so it's a kind of bad it is the devil you know kind of bad so like i can hate it for what it is attack of the clones was like bad in such an indecipher like the choices on screen are so badly like just like you can't process it to so in that way it has a um it has uh at least emotional interest for me anyway but revenge of the sith episode three listen guys all the internet but you know you're constantly checking ain't it cool news you're constantly in the loop and they're like this is gonna be the best one it took them a while they've heard your complaints and like (laughs) don't worry they finally (laughs) nailed it with revenge of the sith Uh, and it's like the most memeable of all of them because just Emperor Palpatine's rise and Anakin's descent is so shittily written and full of like almost non sequiturs. I o- only thing I remember about that movie was no, and the whole movie theater just dying laughing. That's oh. all I remember about that movie is the dumbass no moment. My theater laughed when the fucking droid looks the camera dead in the eye and is like, she died of a broken heart. <laughs> I forgot about that. Not a main character, not just a random CGI droid. <laughs> Fucking horrendous, dude. Oh, Fucking horrendous. It's, it's It was just the fact that I still had hope that I was Charlie Brown at, with the football for fucking Revenge of the <laughs> Sith was so heartbreaking. <laughs> I definitely had no faith in it. I had heard it was supposed to try to be better, but I was I I was at least gl- happy they gave me that no moment. I will always remember it. Um, we've done episodes on some things, so I will shout out Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film mm-hmm. came out in 2005. Also, it was the best of times or the worst of times for superhero movies. Fantastic Four. Wait, which? Yeah, the first one. The sequel is even worse, uh, for sure. But uh, but this is Jessica Alba, Michael Chiklis. Yes, Fantastic. Oh. Yep, terrible. Horrendous. Really, 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 really bad. Also, this is the year Brad Pitt cheats on his wife. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith came out in 2005. <laughs> and uh, the the that was, I remember, I mean, honestly, talking about pop culture history, that is, that was so huge that even me, a person who was not paying attention to any of that shit at the time, couldn't, get, I, I felt like I couldn't get away from it. 
Dude, um, I'm sorry to just keep rambling, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. will say, I will say to the descent is a fucking rad movie, bro. Let's, you know what? I we're you're looking at the same thing I am, which is the very elegantly displayed uh, YouTube. I'm sorry, Google results. Yep. Let's get into that horror tab because I yeah, think there's some the really interesting, uh, interesting things in there. Sure, definitely. I think uh, of what I'm seeing, my favorite of of these movies uh, that came out in 2005 for horror is The Descent. Great. It's 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 already scary because it's like cave diving, which is already stressful and claustrophobic. And then they add a monster in the into the mix about halfway through. It's just a great, great uh, horror film, and and in many ways, it's really well shot, really smart concept for a horror movie. I mean, I feel like a lot of people couldn't even watch it if they're claustrophobic. Like, they just f- wouldn't even be able to watch it at all. I mean, it's just a great premise for a horror film. Uh, we got uh, Hostel. Yep. So now everybody has to know Eli Roth's name. Yep, and torture porn is fully now in the mix. We did Saw last time, but and this is... Saw uh, 2 is now out. Yep. Uh, you're right. There's definitely... Yeah, the torture porn is alive and real. Yep. Um, the uh, one that I'm seeing, uh, which I don't know why it's in the horror tab, but it should be noted, is uh, Keanu Reeves in the Constantine. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. Which I guess has de- spooky demons in it, but um, you know, it's mm-hmm. still I can see it. There, that one has a little bit of a late renaissance. People are coming around to 2005 Keanu Reeves Constantine because it is. Like a nice, like if you're a fan of, I don't know, Supernatural, uh, that movie really handles the gruff dude hunts demons thing real well. Um, I, you know what I'm seeing? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. You know what I just saw on the hard tab that is making me um, lose my shit? What? Alone in the Dark, starring Christian Slater and directed by none other than Uwe fucking Boll. Is this just... This, this is one, oh, of, the worst got, one of the worst movies ever, right? I, my friend who like kind of introduced me to the idea of like trash cinema, uh, he was actually... No, fuck it. My roommate at the time, Isaac, uh, took me to this movie, demanded that I not look up anything about it, and the whole time I'm like, I've never heard of this movie. Like The theater was empty. We were the only two people in this fucking theater watching Alone in the Dark, and everything from the pacing to the dialogue, to the camera angles, to the acting. Tara Reid is in this. Fucking, like, Pete paparazzi Tara Reid is in this. And it is gibberish. It is nonsense. It is the most laughably fucking stupid movie I had ever seen up until that point. That was, like, maybe the first time I, like, before The Room, before Birdemic, before anything. And it's still up there, like... I was actively punching my friend. I was like angry that he subjected <laughs> me to this movie. Um, just how bad is Alone in the Dark? I remember in awe seeing that the movie started with like an opening text credo where it was like doing world building. Then it did a flashback. Then it did a dream sequence. Then the movie finally starts. And then it immediately goes into Christian Slater doing voiceover narration, explaining what we just saw in the dream sequence, in the flashback, and just repeating what it already said in the text credo. Like, Mm -hmm. it was so fucking bad. 
God damn, I, I want to go back there. I want to be that bored and have my time be that worthless that I could just dedicate an afternoon to seeing this fucking movie. A horrific film. Uh, I will say, moving on from horror, a great year for documentaries. Uh, Grizzly Man's one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room, is a fantastic documentary about how shitty the Enron Corporation thing went down. Uh, The Aristocrats, that uh, comedian documentary about the joke Aristocrats. One of my favorite, I guess it's a documentary, but I, I mean, it's really a concert film. Dave Chappelle's Block Party, directed by Michelle Gondry, with all these great acts. You mentioned Kanye West earlier. He's on there. Uh, the Roots. It's so good. Uh, they they even got, um, what did they, they got Lauren Hill and um, the Fugees, all that stuff. Great concert. One of my favorite concert movies of all time. And it's shot in, in the neighborhood I first got to in New York. So it was like really important to me when it came out because I, I think I ended up seeing it in 2006 after I had moved to the exact neighborhood that it takes place in. In in uh, Bedsty, and I feel like uh, you're, uh, that was super cool. You're rolling past what was in theory the biggest documentary of the year, and gave birth to, I will say, thousands of completely um, dog shit parody attempts. I, I March think, of the Penguins. Yes, I knew you were going to say March. I was about to talk about March of the Penguins. March of the Penguins also came out this year. Fucking awesome. Because um, this was before Planet Earth. This was before like kind of the HD era, and it was yeah, it was kind of like. You know, it kind of brought back that Disney uh, nature feature film energy where, like, you know, you were just observing these animals in full fidelity for the first time with, of course, Morgan (laughs) Freeman doing his voice thing. Yo, also... Devil, uh, the Devil and Daniel Johnston came out this year, which is a oh, fucking yeah. amazing music documentary. Another amazing music documentary, Bob Dylan, No Direction Home, directed by Martin Scorsese, is awesome. Like, it is, man, it, 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 the real standout to me is documentaries in 2005 when it comes to movies. Uh, comedy changes this year with The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Which I think completely changed, you know, it brings us into fully into the what is it? it's Apatow, right? Or is it? Um, you can see how Forty uh, Year Old Virgin was. No, that was uh, not written by written and directed by Judd Apatow. Yeah. Oh wait, then who was Paul Feig's first big one? Was that? Oh, I'm not sure. But either way, I, this was. It launched Jonah Hill's career. It, it you know, Seth Rogen uh, is kind of becoming huge via this stuff. It, it just, it was so huge. And of course, cemented Steve Carell as this like co- comedic powerhouse in film and, and television. And uh, yeah, it just was, I, I, I made the mistake of renting the extended version. And it was way too long. With it's 80 already, extra minutes of... Uh, yeah, and, and I did not actually come away from the movie. And I also watched it alone in my like bed in my bedroom. Like, yeah, it wasn't um, the most conducive place to watch a comedy. I probably would have a lot higher regard for this film if I had seen it in the theater and not seen the extended version. But, man, yeah, this was just absolutely uh, massive for so many people and was such a game changer for comedy movies I feel like it's interesting that that's the one that stands out because if you look at what also came out these are like a lot of old school comedies that kind of fell flat on their ass because they weren't resonating anymore uh you know the longest yard with Adam Sandler didn't really do well right uh the the uh the pacifier the ringer with Johnny Knoxville 
Man of yep. the House, like all these older school, Deuce Bigelow, European gigolo, like that era of SNL kind mm-hmm. of had played out its welcome and a new generation was kind of taking up its, uh, taking the king, taking the throne. Yep. That's, I really feel that this was a big game changing year. Oh shit, Capote came out this year? I love Capote <laughs> with Philip Seymour Hoffman, fucking fantastic film, uh, Man, yeah, that that was that was really good, really really good. I'm trying to see uh, if Ooh. any of, the, of course about the life of Truman Capote. By the way, as he's writing in Cold Blood and how that essentially like ruined his life, writing that book and getting too close to the source material. Very good stuff. What were what were you ooing over? Jay? Uh, a one-two punch where we got hard candy and brick, uh, both I kind of indie brick. crime. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And that I love all that guy's stuff. That's the same guy who did Looper, right? And, guy who did um, Looper, did Knives Out, did uh, yep. Last Jedi, which love we will not talk guy. about. <laughs> he did Last Jedi. Yeah, that Ryan Johnson, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, oh no. I'm realizing I saw a lot of movies in the theater this year. I did see a lot of I because we were in college and yeah. we had time. We could just go. Uh, I wasn't 21 yet, so it's not like I could hang out at bars. So, like, a lot of my free time was like, fuck it. I don't have a paper due. Like, it's not anime club night. Just find a friend, get a little high, and go see a movie. Yep. I would also say another big one for me on the indie front is uh, I never saw Hard Candy. Should I watch Hard Candy? I don't know. It's very intense. Uh, (laughs) and, And it's a 2005 version of, like, that's right, we're dealing with, like, pedophiles on the internet and like, right but uh you know it's definitely like i i mean it's pretty much the reason why like we have uh you know i just, ellen page is a household name this was like her big breakout role this was that, that was, this is like right before juno probably juno's like next year and, and it is also the big like kids being in high school being like on the cutting edge of some gritty shit because Brick is also like a noir set in a high school Mm -hmm. which is really interesting and for me the big one on the indie front is The Squid and the Whale. I love this like probably still my favorite Noah Baumbach film even though I do love Francis Ha and some of the other ones he's done but man I love Squid and the Whale. I think it is just incredible I always go to the Squid and the Whale part of the museum whenever I go to the Natural History Museum. And it's just that movie. It's about, you know, kids dealing with their parents who are going through a divorce. Pretty autobiographical, it seems. And just really raw, like really, really raw in this way that I felt was just so right, like so accurate and so honest. I just absolutely love that movie to death. Seeing a lot of real bad uh, action movies. just uh just a just just a murderer's row of like <laughs> regrettable uh we got Triple X State of the Union, uh uh-huh. The Legend of Zorro, <laughs> yep. uh that uh Charlie's Theron Aeon Flux movie, which who boy, um Tom Cruise's War of the Worlds, which I think was like mixed results. I don't nobody talks about that movie anymore. And fucking stealth. The only movie that is any good on this list of action movies, in my opinion, is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like, that's the only one people were actually into this year. Action uh, sucked in 2005. Well, I see the V for Vendetta movie on this list. Uh, and Batman Begins. I guess I guess oh if you want to add Sahara in the comic book was movies. Th- Sahara was so bad, the author sued the movie company because they're like... <laughs> 
this is one of my best-selling books. This was supposed to be my ticket to like Tahiti forever, and you fucked me on this by That's making the movie amazing. so dog shit. Oh my god. Yeah, weird. Bad year for action. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say we should get on to video games soon. Uh, We've been yammering for a, for a minute here about movies, but I, I'm not seeing a lot either for animation. Seems kind of light. We've got like Madagascar. Madagascar. Uh, acknowledging two true champions of uh, 2000s children's movies, uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Great job, fantastic, and uh, Sky High, which is like the uh, it's pretty much My Hero Academia the movie. Before My Hero Academia was ever mm-hmm. created. Uh, if you have never seen Sky High, even as a grown-ass adult, get a bucket of popcorn, watch it. You will not be sad about it. It's so weird that Corpse Bride's the same year as Willy Wonka. That seems odd to me, but uh, Corpse, so Tim Burton still kind of has it. Yeah, but man, animation, not not a lot going on in that department. It's so interesting to see these years where you're like, whoa, like there was so little of this, but there was so much good, like documentaries, but there was so little good in the uh, action department. Like the big block, summer blockbuster was not happening this year, it seems. Like all the really good movies were indie movies, documentaries, and like prestige, you know, big budget movies like Capote and stuff like that. All right, let's move into video games, shall we? Oof, right off the bat, one of the greatest games of all time, some say. Resident Evil 4. On the GameCube. Yep, man, that was a banger. That is what made that Resident Evil a a game series that still puts out new games today. I think if Resident Evil 4 wasn't as huge as it was, I don't even know if we'd have it in our in our lives still. And man, that game. I was mean, just Holden, the- you gotta thank. Um, you wouldn't have control for yeah. that over the shoulder gunplay. Yeah. Then you know, uh, if not for Resident Evil Four, like they totally. re- changed the game. Also, this is was maybe the first time I stormed Pearl Harbor with Call of Duty Two. Mm. Was it? No, no, no. I'm thinking of Medal of Honor Two. Never mind. Uh, Call of Duty Two, though. We got that is- Battlefield Two, Call of Duty Two, Brothers. In arms, like yeah, we're still in the World War II shooter era, and uh, yeah, and but I will say another big one, Psychonauts. Well, that was huge. I it was huge for me. Several years later, when I got it on a Steam sale, at the time uh-huh. nobody gave a shit. About nobody that. gave a shit. But that was there's a lot of prestige games. Shadow of the Colossus, two thousand five. Huge. That was a big one. I mean, and again, not for, you know, I wasn't playing these games back then, though. I will be honest. I, I definitely remember, I, I I think I played it in 2006, but the Warriors game from Rockstar was super, surprisingly super fun and enjoyable to play. And that was a big one for me. Uh, Devil May Cry 3 is huge. That's That's a big, big, big year for the third person action game, it seems. Action adventure games, even and then Psychonauts, yeah, it was oh, a word of mouth thing, God but it was War. like that game you knew was super good. Oh, God of War was this year, king of third person action. Yeah, this is a huge year for third person action. Huge, huge, huge year. That's really cool to see. Uh, Rockstar came out with that Warriors adaptation that uh, I will never ever play, and I think the rights for it. Is, uh, you are in you hell were right zoning. Now. I talked about how I enjoyed. Oh. That was like one of the only games on this list that I have I actually was playing at the time. And it was surprisingly good. I was too excited that uh, Mario Kart DS came out this year. <laughs> we're in the we're in the prime DS years. There's a lot of good DS action happening. Mm-hmm. We got Animal Crossing Wild Worlds. Now was that uh, one of the first ones? If if not the first big popular one, 
Uh, was that the one for the Wii or for the... No, it was for the DS. Yeah, I loved Wild World. Loved it, played it every... I mean, it was. It came out in December, so I was probably ah. more obsessed with it in 2006. That's what's funny about these games, right? Is that a lot of them are... Ho- you know, a lot of games get released in the holiday season. So what is a 2005 game for us is a 2006 game mm. in a lot of these cases. Because that was the same for me with uh, The Warriors, I ended up playing that in New York City. Again, though, it was perfect. I just moved to New York City, and here's this video game based on a classic New York City film that I became a fan of like uh, like a little before they were, they came out with the game. I was like way into the Warriors. Love that game. Uh, we got, oh, God. Uh, according to the Wikipedia list, we got Shadow the Hedgehog. Ugh. Holy shit. If there's never been a game that I've like enjoyed watching let's plays of more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so true. Because so dear, true. it looks like such a it's such a pain in the ass mess to actually play like the footage of it looks horrible, but like the fact that it, the the plot of this game involves like Shadow the Hedgehog famously cocking an M16 like it was a shotgun in the front in the beginning cinematic. Uh, at one point, you have to try and assassinate the president if you go on the dark path. It's just a wild misstep, just like uh, one of the most insane misfires in the history of marketing and game development. Uh, one of the biggest fires, um, I guess I'll say. I don't know what I'm talking about. My mind is mushed today. But one of but the if big you, game okay, changers. But if you want to know what this era was, it was Shadow the Hedgehog. But... All the elements of Shadow the Hedgehog working in various other games where they actually belonged. Well, I was going to say one of the big ones for 2005, Guitar Hero, is 2005. And that, (sighs) a year from now, like when we do the next episode, it's going to be all about those uh, fake instruments and stuff. It's going to be all this big marketing for video games. Like everything changes after this year with the introduction of Guitar Hero and its rise to popularity. The profound Uh, sadness of being in your friend's living room in 2008 and seeing that (laughs) dusty pile of plastic instruments. Yep. It was so funny. I remember I was in town visiting a couple friends in my hometown of Charlotte and um, one of my friends, she was just like, yeah, I got a boyfriend who lives who lives with me, but I'm th- I think I'm probably going to break up with him soon. All he does, he doesn't have a job, and all he does is play Guitar Hero. Oh. And we walked in, and sure enough, he just has like three of the guitars just sitting around in the living room, and he's just sitting there playing fucking Guitar Hero. <laughs> so sad. And now he must look back and be like, God, I can't believe I did that. I hope he does. Either way, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 sucks, but I guess people like it, so that came out this year. Uh, I want to. I found a list of 2005 DS games, and I just, God, so many just fun little experiences that I. Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow is a fucking great Castlevania game. It's a great game. Uh, Mario Kart DS, uh, Mario and Luigi Partners in Time, Medios. Nobody talks about Medios anymore. Sonic Rush, which I fucking loved for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, was like kind of a 2.5D uh, Sonic game that. While Shadow the Hedgehog proved everything that Sonic uh, shouldn't be, Sonic Rush is a really good example of what it can be. Uh, I played way too many hours of Brain Age, which was oh, this yeah. Nintendo DS where you held the DS sideways and used like the touchscreen as a writing pad to answer like math problems and Sudokus and logic puzzles. And the better you did, like a 
polygonal Japanese doctor man would be like, you're getting smarter. You won't go into that good night as as quickly as your friends. <laughs> uh, Super Princess Peach was actually a really interesting game. People give it flack now because um, part of the mechanics was that like Peach's powers were her emotions. So like you had to make her cry on stuff to like help plants grow or you had to like make her happy to like jump higher and do all these other mechanics. But it was really fun. Fuck. So much other. Uh, Beautiful Joe Double Trouble is an amazing action game. Shit. This. Yeah. I think the DS was like my main my main gaming machine at this point. So huge for you. I missed out until way later. I didn't get actually my first video game thing I bought after a long several years drought was a 3DS and that mm. Zelda game that fucking is awesome on the 3DS. That would and that was well into living in New York. I was uh yeah, a few years in or so. But either way, couple quick shout outs to games I didn't necessarily weren't my thing per se, but definitely were game changers. Uh, Lego Star Wars, uh the mm-hmm. video game comes out this year. That is huge. That is what really launches that franchise in a lot of ways and into huge, huge popularity with those Lego games and with Star Wars making a bit of a return after the prequels were so fucking awful. Um, also, you have uh, Age of Empires 3 and Civ 4 coming out this year, and I know that was huge for people on PC and who are super into strategy. Not really my thing. Still kind of isn't my thing. Still kind of bounced off. I still I couldn't couldn't do a full run of a Civ Five game. Maybe I'll try again someday because I did start to get into it, um, and then I bounced off. But yeah, I would say that's uh, that's video games in a nutshell, and that's 2005 in a nutshell. But also, shout outs. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang came out in 2005, oh, great thus movie. marking the uh, return of Robert Downey Jr. Mm. And we'll get more into that as we move into the more of the aughts and the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is about to happen. The naughty naughties, Holden. We're doing the naughty naughties. Oh, my goodness. So much fun. This was a fun year. This is a weird. I feel like I said every week, every time, but this is a weird (laughs) year. It is a weird year, though. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. I am pretty psyched about this one. I feel like we've had some weird years, and we hope you've been enjoying this uh, walk back through memory lane that uh, as much as we have. But I will say, I feel like I feel like the years weren't as full of media as I thought they were until now. I think this yeah. one is meaty, brother. We got tons of stuff in 2006, and a lot of stuff that applies to recent episodes we've done. 
even, uh, you know, and recent films. Uh, just to start, are we on movies or video games first, actually? Let me, I'll uh, let me we always it up. We always start with video games. We always start with video games. But the time machine, this is a good year. If you are working on a time machine and want to go back to a year, uh, 2006 is great. Um, maybe you can like go back in time and like end some of those Middle East wars using your foreknowledge, but for, but or just play video games or just play video games. Dude, right off the bat, an episode we are planning on doing in a matter of weeks, Wii Sports, the Wii, came out. We're doing an episode on Wii Sports, but it's also an excuse to talk about the launch of the Wii. I think it goes hand in hand, how the the Wii craze that hit the nation. I mean, people were beating each other's faces in. I saw an old man slapping a slapping a, a college girl in the face with his dick just because she had f- f- feigned to breathe on his Wii box as he walked so out of the many, store. So many standard definition LCD televisions murdered in cold murdered. blood by errant Wiimotes. Absolutely destroyed by idiot kids with their inability to put straps around the wrist. The game said you just put the strap on. You just, just That's put all the you need. strap on. What a transitionary year in a sense, but also a big year for video games. I mean, first of all, Wii Sports, let's talk about it. I mean, hey, this is like a pre-gush for the big gush that we'll give in the episode itself. I loved Wii Sports, and especially because I was largely getting back into video games as like a serious nerd around this time, Mm -hmm. and lo and behold, all of a sudden, it was like not only acceptable, but super cool to show up at someone's place and there and have Wii Sports on the yeah. TV and people switching out playing bowling and we're all having drinks and it was like not a nerd party this was just like a dope party to be at everybody loved Wii Sports so many fr- just furious rounds of tennis so many and yeah and you could play it with your obvious you know everyone has the uh has memories of like the feel good news stories about the old folks homes where they would have it going on and it really, it just kind of like, it um, it pretty. I think it put the death knell in the idea that like, oh, kids and their Nintendos. Like the idea of gaming yeah. reached like a saturation point. And it's just, uh, even just the aesthetics, that 2006 early Nintendo, um, you know, so many memes now are from, are by, you know, uh, adults who grew up with the Wii that just have the, uh, yeah, the Wii shop theme. Dun, 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 dun. That whole, yeah, it's the Wii is like a vibe that I think in a uh, severely doomer generation, many people want to go back to. Yeah, it, it, it was super cool. And I remember it was also like we were so did we not go in on rock? Is rock band not happened yet? Is, is that radical popularity not been a thing at this? I thought it was at this point. Um, I think we might be like one or two years off from that. Okay, so yet. wow, so the the Wii Sports was really the more popular reticle. Oh no, we got Guitar Hero. We hit Guitar, yeah, Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero's out, but yeah, but we don't have. Um, it hadn't reached the saturation rock point band yet. Yeah, so this was, but this was all happening at the same time, right? People were learning. People were figuring out, like, oh, you can make this more into a toy than even originally thought. We can go past the standard understanding of what a controller was. I mean, when you first saw the nunchuck straight up and the Wiimote, it was like, what the fuck? Like, this is 
this is a controller, you crazy ass? And it worked, and people loved it, and the simplicity of it is what helped it work. I want everybody listening right now to go onto the Patreon page and uh, really, for this episode, leave a comment on your spiritual awakening when you first beheld the nunchuck. What were you thinking? What were you doing? Uh, Obviously, the single greatest uh, feature on the Wii was the little speaker on the Wiimote so that you could hold it up to your ear and it would do like little fun phone call things in games. you did that. There was archery. There was, I mean, and this is also, you already said the oversaturation point for Rock Band and Guitar Hero, but also this was before the oversaturation point for, uh, for shovelware Wii games that (laughs) use the, you know... They use the moat. I think we were all like, oh, the possibilities are endless. And then it was like, in a couple of years from now, we're like, oh, no, wait. Actually, Wii Sports was the best execution of this concept. And it was the first thing that came out for it. Besides, like, I really liked Boom Blocks. I'm a Boom Blocks boomer for sure. I was a big fan of Steven Spielberg's Boom Blocks. But we can talk about that later. That was fun. Just sweating in my apartment because I didn't have good AC. Playing Boom, Box, boom Blocks unemployed. Just miserable, but that's a couple years off, I think. Either way, you also, to stay on the Nintendo kick for a second, there's also The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. I think this is a more contentious entry in the Zelda canon, but I do remember how excited and thrilled we were, not only to get a Zelda, but to get the dark Zelda back a little bit. To get the, like, as much as I fucking loved, like, cartoony Zelda. This was definitely the, like, sorry, Edgelord fanboys, here's your, like grim dark zelda you know essentially but i did quite enjoy it it definitely suffered from what the next game in the series would suffer from far too much it took a bit of a while to get going but i do uh, look back on those dungeons very fondly the larger than life really cool dungeon experiences in that game was great and um i enjoyed the wolf form it's, it's cycle. one of the most highest performing uh zelda games in terms of sales uh-huh. in the entire I series see that. like it's insane how much that, like, oh, you want dark? Here's dark, and Americans just devour. Um, yeah, and I was there for it, too, for sure. I mean, it, it's not a perfect game. It's definitely not my favorite in the series. I would even maybe put Wind Waker above it just because I love Wind Waker's inventiveness and simplicity to a certain degree. But it, I remember that being such a big wave. Like, Nintendo just... Let's talk about Nintendo for a second in general. I mean, they were really floundering up until this point. GameCube was a mistake. Yeah, GameCube was a failure. And people look back on GameCube and Smash very fondly. But it is not really... Uh, was a very well-performing thing. So it was like another Wii U, essentially. They keep doing this. It's weird. They have these, like, in-betweener consoles that just don't quite work and then they fucking swing for the fences with the Wii and then later the Switch and all of a sudden they're Nintendo's back baby and this was so much cool so much fun to see uh in addition to the Nintendo is back uh the DS is in full swing yeah. at this point Killing and it. uh new Super Mario Brothers came out for the DS and this launched uh kind of a gigantic a forking I guess in the Mario series where they had these huge AAA you know, uh, big 3D releases, but then these even more popular new Super Mario Brothers that are just like fun 2D platformers that, you know, that basically you can draw a line between this first DS release all the way to Mario Maker 2. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite games of all time came to the, out uh, for the DS in 2006, and that was Elite Beat Agents. Yeah, I've always wanted to play that, Jake, and I know that you have championed that game as well. That is on every... I cried. Yeah? I cried at the um, s- 
like the way that the final level set to like jumping Jack Flash with all of these characters that you had helped along the way set to music. It was addictive. It was engaging. It really will end the weird Americanification of it, because obviously it was uh, based on the Oendon series where it was in Japan. You know, same thing. You're f- touching the dots to music. You're uh, spinning the circle. You're doing all the crazy things that now we're Twitch streamers do at 300 clicks a second. But uh, the framing device was you're this like specific kind of delinquent Japanese cheerleader that like it just has no frame of reference in America. And they changed it to just like uh, feds, just straight up spooks dedicated to the rhythm. That is an incredible thing. It's yeah, honestly, one of the most just personable, engaging, unique games. And it could, God, I fucking love Elite Beat Agents. I also see another just solid entry in the DS catalog that everyone talks about as being like so fundamental as a DS player was Tetris DS. Just a mm. damn good Tetris game. That was like uh, everyone's like go-to version of Tetris for quite a while, and that came out back in 2006. I'm doing like a quick just rundown of the year in DS games, and I can just say this. there, this Talk about oversaturation. Holy shit. So many DS games are releasing. I'm not seeing a lot that's popping out to me as like the, one of the greatest. That There's a really good Castlevania game that came out that year for sure. That one's on like the big list. But uh, man, just like uh, so many games coming out for that system. Like you will never be uh, bored. Yeah, Portrait in Ruin is a really good, Portrait of Ruin rather, is a great Castlevania game. And I'll tell you this, if you're itching for more metroidvania castlevanias like straight up like like symphony of the dark ds is your system i i was there's like four good castlevania games on the ds that are very reminiscent of symphony of the night uh, as well but either way um yeah just full swing indeed also i i think this actually speaks louder than one might think i do want to bring up sonic the hedgehog 2006 oh yeah and actually i think isn't that the game in a lot of ways that you could look back to to say wow this really was the game that made like youtubers who play terrible games and make it hilarious like really smart Mm. the popularity that i'm sure you could trace it back to something earlier there's of course angry video game nerd but i think sonic 06 was one of the major entries in hey check out this fucking awful bullshit how hilarious is this there's definitely like a ley line that is a a a vein of power runs through sonic 06 as it relates to youtube internet gamer culture yeah self-deprecating sort of but like self or, or really more just deprecating of the industry as a whole and and when games just go terribly bad. And honestly... I think it's where Sonic's hope died. I think uh-huh. uh, Sonic 06 sure. and Shadow the Hedgehog... Sure. Like, the the game was over. There was, good, there was no redemption. And the weird post-meta ironic world where Sonic, like, now thrives, still the number one movie of 2020. Um, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't actually know for sure. But, uh, in, yeah, I think, like, the best-selling uh, super... The the best action superhero style movie of 2020 uh, in terms of theater ticket receipts was Sonic Magic. <laughs> Another thing that I'm noticing in terms of trends is 2006 is when the Xbox 360 kind of came into its own and kind of yeah. pulled away from the PlayStation 3, which it had always been kind of this like 
you know, the Xbox trailed way, everyone trailed way behind the PlayStation 2. But uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, that's four, Oblivion yes. came out exclusively for the Xbox 360 for the first year in 2006. And I thought... Gears you, of War. I, yeah, I was about to say, I thought you were about to lead with Gears of War. And I remember going over to my buddy's place and playing that and being like, oh, maybe the 360's the way to go. This is kind of incredible looking and feeling. And I'm playing it on the couch with my buddy. But I also do recall going over to a friend's place and he was playing Oblivion and just asking him all these questions about it and being so curious. This is the first time I'd heard about whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can talk to everyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can talk, yeah. Yeah, and it just being this giant RPG game world that wasn't... I don't know, a Final Fantasy game or something like that 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 uh, I had really not been aware of because I wasn't a PC gamer up until just recently. So I, it being this, it was just odd to see something like that on a console, right? Like that was really what it was. And you're right, this really was the year that the 360 became the stronger console in a lot of ways. I mean, I guess when's Halo 2? When is that? Did we already Halo- pass that? I think Halo 2 was... Was Halo 2 original Xbox or... No, I don't think so. Was that 360? Halo 2. Maybe I'm completely... No, it's... uh, Original Xbox was Halo 2. Really? But, uh... But it also came out on 360. It was one of those games. Yeah. Again, Halo 2 really made a strong argument for the 360 early on. But I think Gears and Oblivion, like, cemented its place... And as the stronger console. This is the third side of the Xbox 360 pyramid. Uh, Dead Rising was a huge was hit. I've played so many hours of that. And between Dead Rising and Gears of War and Oblivion, like the Xbox 360 was like something new was happening. Games were evolving to a level and they were doing things with Gears of War, with the uh, graphics engine and the art style, Dead Rising, with the amount of zombies on screen, mm-hmm. uh, Oblivion, with the uh, complicated nature and the just the sheer raw amount of freedom and voice acting to let you explore. Like, there was, the generational change was cemented. Like, gaming is achieving a whole new level. God, I fucking love Dead Rising. Yeah, I, I, I missed the Dead Rising wave and wanted to play the newest one when it came out, but it got, like, very bad reviews and the the franchise seemed to be done. I don't know the most friend of the one. show, Matt McMuscles just did a, uh, what happened video on the newest dead rising. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a very tragic story. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a bomber to hear because that definitely looks like a game. I super would have been obsessed with what I did love. I did actually play, I think probably for the Wii, uh, Okami. And, uh, I oh. loved the creativity of Okami and just thought it was such a beautiful, wonderful game. Of course, that game you're doing, you know, you're making drawings on the screen in order to execute moves. You're this like wolf creature that, uh, it's very, very Zelda feeling game, but simpler, so more indie. 2006 was the GameCube version. So you couldn't draw on the screen. You had to like make the drawings with the control sticks. So I but later still. played it. I, so I would probably not play it until 07 or whatever, but still what, that was, that came out in 06 initially and was very cool. And, uh, what was the other one? Oh yeah. Bully, a game I didn't play till much later, but Rockstar's game about a shitty kid and uh, with other shitty kids in a, in a preparatory school. There's a nice little sidestep for Rockstar, a little diversion from GTA. I wish they'd go back to putting these types of games out in between releases, but instead, I guess we'll just get GTA five for the rest of our lives. And, uh, that is unfortunate because I loved when they put out 
these other types, you know, like table tennis and shit, mm-hmm. like just weird warriors we already talked about. I, I had a nice little time with that game. And Bully is quite fun. I played it much later when actually I was able to buy, my friend does commercials. And you know how they say like, uh, people always think that they give you things when you do the commercial, and that's not true. Normally, it's not true, but he ended up with a three Xbox 360 after doing this commercial, and he was like, "I don't play it. I don't care about it. I'll give it to you for like fifty bucks." And so that, and that was like the very end of the console cycle, like right before I think you know, kind of kind of the last year of the console cycle, essentially. And uh, so I got to go back and play stuff like Bully, but I, I thought it was. Just a great... I, I just wish they'd do that sort of stuff again. And I think there might be... Is there a Bully remake in the works? I feel like they're always they putting out new editions. It. They yeah. keep teasing it. But, uh, I mean, Rockstar, as it stands, with GTA V being just the cash cow that it is, with, like... I, I just feel like they're just too big to just indulge in those kind of projects. Especially when they're the, they're the like, high-fidelity guys. They're the people yeah. that will actually populate giant worlds and like that's just super expensive they also lost i think dan hauser i think they lost like their. i think i think their main story people have now left so i mean they it was a good run there's how many billions of dollars can those founders actually like collect uh in weird uh related to rockstar uh events that year uh volition saint saints row the first one came out yeah the one that was not funny or comedic at all. Yeah. And it apparently wasn't very good. But then they later learned in later editions that if you can't beat them, uh, do something unique. Yeah. So that journey started. And that's what they did. Is this the first Hitman or just a Hitman, like, sides? Hitman Blood Money? Blood Money was one of the uh, their big uh, revamps. It's the fourth one, according to Wikipedia. But uh, I think I, for, in my head, more people cared about Hitman Absolution. But Hitman's such a weird franchise in that, like, I've been told I should care about this most of my adult life. Most of my life, it's been like, oh, Hitman, Hitman's pretty good, and I've just never bothered. And I yeah, feel I got the new ones because of how much people love them. I'm so not into stealth games, though, and so I haven't <laughs> put them on. But I've heard they're just so good, and it's like even if you don't aren't like a big stealth person, they're so much fun. So I need to check it out at some point. But yeah, I've never done the Hitman thing. One reason for the season, one of the only reasons for the season uh, for the PlayStation Three before we move into movies is Final Fantasy Twelve was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, my buddy got it. He, my roommate and friend, got it, and uh, it was really cool. That was actually the first Final Fantasy I jumped back. In. Well, I guess it had to have been. I played FF10, bounced off of it actually, which I was really disappointed about. I because I loved seven, eight, nine, and really fell off of ten, and especially with their just weird side quests to get the ultimate weapons and stuff. It was very frustrating to me what they did with parts of that game. But FF12 brought it back, but expanded it to a degree that was almost incredibly overwhelming. I want to go back and play 12 because I think I'd like. I think they again are giving that like a remaster treatment or something which I'd be curious about because I think I'm better at those that level of RPG now and could better go about playing it than before. I was like, this world's too big. I <laughs> There is so much happening. It's insane. And also really getting used to that active style of battling, which I've now gotten a lot more comfortable with. But back then I was like, what is happening? I need everything to stop so that I can make a decision. 
You know what I mean? 2006 is too insane of a year for movies. We have to move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, let's get on to it, dude. Unbelievable. Oh, no. It's insane. This is maybe one of the craziest... This is... I, this is a lot of oh shit. This was all the same year. Yeah, let's let's. I, first of all, right off the bat, just because the sequel just came out, Borat came out in 06. <laughs> Honestly, like very nice, very much so though. Changed how we look at comedy. I was even talking to I forget who I was talking to. Maybe it was Jackie. It was like oh now I'm so much better at seeing what's like scripted and what is uh, set up to be improvised and like is totally off the cuff. And I think we have become better at reading that type of format and, like, understanding that difference. But when Borat came out, that was the first time, really, we were seeing that in a a massive way, where someone is writing comedy bits, writing scenes, and then also incorporating these fully improvised with people who don't even know they're in a movie like this scenes. Mm -hmm. And it's all mixed together to tell the story. It was deeply impressive. And, uh, of course, I think it's probably still his best work. Honestly, I yeah, I got to rewatch the original now just to see if like did my instincts get better or were the seams more visible in the sequel? Right. We talked about it in a, a previous bonus episode that like something about the sequel really it just felt like. No, wait, I can actually, wait, I can read the Matrix code now. Yeah, it's maybe you I talked to about it. Sorry about that. I will say, though, I think you'll see it's pretty seamless, but you'll it's more seamless than the sequel, but you'll still be able to now tell. I think that's just Mm. because you know what, you just know. Now, when you know, you know. But either way, uh, what do you got? What do you want to scream about? Uh, let's see. In terms of, uh, I want to do a sweet, a, just a full on swipe of action movies because okay. uh, there's a bunch of like really big yeah, trends. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think number one, uh, it's literally the first one listed on Google. Uh, Children of Men, a sleeper hit. If there was ever a sleeper hit, maybe one of like the most solid uh, art action movies ever done. It like yeah. Speaks to so much uh, of like the anxieties that kind of still resonate today. Actually, ooh, actually, so Children of Men and Idiocracy yes. both came out at the same time. I wanted time. to talk about Idiocracy, so I'm glad you brought but that they, up. But they're, they're they're kind of related. They're yeah. both well executed. They were both unappreciated, really, when they first came out. And, and in then the later, ensuing- uh, as time went on, people were like, "Oh shit, this is real." <laughs> <laughs> But just the beginning of like the 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 nineties are a forgotten memory. Uh, you know, George W. Bush won re-election. Uh, just things seem shittier. Things seem mm. like they're ne- like uh, you know millennials were just entering the job market. Uh, there was a recession on the horizon, and just just this vague feeling from people in the know that like oh, I wonder. I th- I don't think the future is gonna be better. <laughs> I think the future, hear me out, what if instead of moon boots, we have uh, poverty? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so goddamn, we might have like a wrestler as president. I still stand by my, The Rock is going to lead us one day. (laughs) Well, either way, uh, speaking of leading large groups of people, 300 was another big stylistically game-changing, I feel like, film for better or for worse. And uh, really brought upon us a very specific look and feel to an action epic, for sure. Action epic plus the uh, having like a whole green screen movie was still a novelty at that point. And this was the first kind of movie that 
I feel like pulled it off. I know people are like, uh, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow did it, but like it didn't pull it off. Yeah. Everyone was like, why am I looking at uh, Jude Law in front of a green screen? <laughs> this is not a movie. Yes. But in 300, you're like, yep, these are some swole English dudes in a desert fighting uh, literal mutant Persians. I can't believe I have to. I have to confess. I've never seen 300 and I've never seen Children of Men. How crazy oh. is that? They're uh well three hundred. Have you what Zack Snyder movies have you seen? You've seen Watchmen. You've seen like uh, all the Superman. I and tried to watch Superman v Batman. Uh, definitely saw. I think I kind of saw the Justice League one. I saw. I don't know, dude. Well, I think Watchmen's the only one that I enjoyed on any level, and even that one, you know, the sex scene was super dumb and kind of ruined it for me. But I've never been like a big. What else did he do? I don't even know, man. Uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake. But uh, the so oh, three hundred is good. a very. I like yeah. That. So three hundred is was fresh off the, off of that, and you know it's based on a very like simple Frank Miller story. So like the combination of uh, very dude energy. Uh, almost well, considering the amount of people that now have Spartan shit all over, like their tactical gear and like the amount of like weird 300 references on like cop Facebook pages. Like I wouldn't say, you know, there's, there's a very, uh, I'd say unpleasant energy surrounding, uh, the entire production at this point, but it is a showcase of just like testosterone fueled, just Mm -hmm. anger Mm -hmm. and the, uh, you know, and of course it gave birth to, uh, 300,000, this is Sparta! Yeah. Memes that we all loved. They were always funny. You Every movie that made them. a reference. Uh, kick it in a hole. It's funny. Kick it in a hole. I will say, too, speaking of macho movies, uh, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious Amazing. franchise is really starting to just become like a massive franchise as opposed to just a couple of hit movies, summer blockbusters. Um, and a big one for me, I loved Casino Royale, the reboot of the James Bond franchise with the new Bond. I thought it was fantastic. I, I haven't... Super, well, no, I've, I've quite enjoyed this new line of Bond movies now that I think about it. I don't think I've seen the most recent one. But Casino Royale was dope. Uh, uh, Spectre is dog shit. Quantum of Solace is beyond dog shit. But uh, what was... Uh, I may have liked Spectre, but I can't remember. I remember liking... Skyfall is amazing. I remember like... Oh, maybe it was Sky... Yes, that's what it was. Skyfall I fucking really liked. But Casino Royale... And also, man, brought parkour into the limelight, baby, with that <laughs> opening sequence. Like, for sure, though, right? It was so... This is a very parkour year. I love that, though, in that in that movie. I would start it with this incredibly way longer than you think it will be chase sequence that just was super fucking in, uh, thrilling and cool and reaching great heights, literally. Uh, yeah, that stuff was super cool. Big year for action in so many different ways, too. Of course, uh, Crank. You've got the first Crank, which is going to lead to one of the best action movies ever, Crank 2. Oh, my God. This is when the internet started controlling media. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> this is when, like, the internet memes started to become real and in our movie theaters, essentially. And, like, everybody just thinking that a movie trailer is super stupid is, uh, ends up leading to, like, a giantly popular film in the theaters. Ooh. Uh, not to jump around too much, but, of course, we've got to give it up to The Host, which we covered in our episode on... I. Bong Joon-ho. Yes, thank you. I was reaching for the name there for a second. Host, amazing fucking uh, horror monster movie set in South Korea. If you haven't seen that movie, man, you got to watch it yesterday. 
this was also the great year of the dueling magician movies with the illusionist and the prestige. Dude, both of which are, well, wait, which one is, now I can't remember, which one has the- The one with the crazy ass ending is the prestige. Awesome. Great movie. I forget about the illusions though. I I don't don't I think they're both good though, right? Aren't they both good? But the prestige is fucking the shit. The I feel like through the lens of time, the illusionist is a well-made like film, but just the like what the fuck are you what are you doingness of the prestige uh holds up. Dude, it's awesome. I mean, you have David Bowie as Nikola Tesla show. Dude, it's like, awesome. It, and it's also, isn't it Nolan? Isn't that Christopher Nolan? Yeah, it's Nolan. It's Nolan. It's like early cool Nolan, not Batman though. I mean, I think it's fucking dope, man. I I think Prestige is a must watch. Also a must watch for me to jump a little bit around uh genre-wise. Once, I love Once. Uh, one of the first oh. examples that I felt was like it was a musical where the music was built into the movie so it didn't feel like a musical type of movie. And I super loved it. Of course, I also love Sing Street made by the same person, I think written by the same person at least. But Once is a surprisingly phenomenal movie. If if you look at the cover art or whatever and you're like this looks like a cheese ball festival, Definitely check it out. It is more than you think it is about a struggling musician in Ireland. I forget. But either way, and meeting this woman who essentially they start just making music together in this really beautiful way that leads to sort of a romantic situation. Either way, just highly, highly recommend that shit, man. So definitely. We have uh, the Leonardo DiCaprissants with Blood Diamond and The Departed coming out this year. Departed is one of, is on a short list of movies for me where if I catch it on TV, I will You're stop. Stuck. I'm just in it. <laughs> I, I love that movie so much. It washes over me. It's also one of those movies that is long as fuck, but it feels like it's ha- it's an hour and a half. Yeah, it's two hours, 30 minutes. Everybody's incredible in it uh, between Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson fucking kills it. Mark Wahlberg's great. It is so, so good. Uh, Scorsese directed, of course. This was Scorsese 2 really coming back. It was like Scorsese's back, baby. The music's awesome. Everything about it. The way the camera moves, the way it looks. I want to go watch it right now. It is uh, that last phenomenal. shot with the rat, the single greatest uh, directorial choice ever made by a filmmaker. Ugh. This conversation is making me want a cranberry juice so bad. It's upsetting. <laughs> I uh, we yeah. got to move on to TV. We we can't neglect our our television friends, even though we are leaving a lot of movies. We'll on do. The let's table. just try to name a couple. Let's do a bit of a lightning round, really quick. At stuff we're seeing. Paprika, big for anime. Is the girl who, the girl who is that good? Girl who left through time. Also great. Should I watch also that? Also a great movie. I should watch. You that? absolutely should. Right, I'll definitely one of the watch classics. that. Of course, you got Lady in the Water, one of M. Night Shyamalan's very worst films, and that's saying are, something. There are weird Lady in the Water defenders. There are people that will are. go to the mat there's, for Lady in the Water. There's defenders of all sorts of crazy stuff. Stranger Than <laughs> Fiction, actually, I surprisingly kind of enjoyed, like a cutesy Will Ferrell oh. film. Thought it was alright. Hated it. You hated it. Why? Hey. I just did not like the premise, and I didn't like the... I don't know. It just rubbed me... Also, I think I was young enough when I saw it that I was like, why is Will Ferrell not doing not d- doing Hank the Tank? Why why he not Anchorman? Adam Sandler's click, that which got weirdly tear-jerky at, at, at a point in it, and is now known for that. But I will say, looking at comedy... Oh, looking at comedies, you do have uh, Talladega Nights, 
which is phenomenal. They ordered the comedies weird because they backloaded the good ones like later in the list because it's like Nacho Libre. That's what you're leading with. Uh, but I will say um, definitely a weird year for comedies. But Talladega Nights was great. The Night in the Museum franchise launches, which is at least at the very least a solid film franchise. Horror films, there's fucking nothing. I'm going to go ahead and say, and uh, yeah, we can, we can, I think we can move on now. I think that's uh, about X-Men it. Last Stand was uh, terrible. Yeah. Fuck that movie. Yeah. There's one of the worst. Fantasy is a terrible year for fantasy. It is a pretty bad year for comedy. It's, it's, yeah, it's odd. Action is king this year. Big action mm. set pieces is clearly king this year. All right, cool. Let's, let's go on to television. Uh, somebody said we missed the boat. With uh, 205 by not talking about TV because the office, American office, apparently premiered in 05, which let me make sure that's the case. What do you look at? Do you want to go on your rant now? So right now, so right <laughs> off the bat, right off the bat, we're talking 2006 TV. We're talking two shows, uh, 30 Rock and Studio 60. <laughs> And uh, 30 Rock, uh, you know, when they first came out at the same time, people were like, ooh, com- competition, which fake SNL show is going to be the best one? Uh, and 30 Rock, obviously helmed by Tina Fey, uh, went on to become a classic. Now it's almost like a punchline as it's like almost too soothing for people who are in their 30s right now. Like it's such it captures that specific worldview too accurately of like weird self-pitying quirkiness. Uh-huh. But at but the just the level of jokes delivered, just quality. Like I can still watch every episode and just like. Be like, fuck, that was a really good joke. That was, they just nailed that joke What's right there. What's so, so shitty about Studio 60? Studio 60 was Aaron's fucking Sorkin's <laughs> uh, post-West Wing thing where he was like, I'm going to tell you how it is doing comedy because I'm Aaron Sorkin. Right. And it was uh, Matthew Perry and what's-his-face uh, from uh, Billy Madison <laughs> uh, and Get Out, that guy. Uh, and it was all about how, f- like, in the era of Bush, because, you know, comedy was important and like, damn it, this isn't just a comedy show. We got millions of people out there and we set the we conversations to save. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that you should never do in a story about artists where, like, actual there's actual consequences to the art being created being, quote unquote, good. So, like, there would be people, like, moaning and and struggling and talking about all these high stakes that they got to nail this opening sketch. And it would be, like, you know, a whole hour of television because we got to get this fucking comedy done. And then they would actually show it. And the sketches were all fucking terrible. Just <laughs> oh, the God. worst fucking comedy ever put to page. And they would play like triumphant music <laughs> and people would be like, he's doing it. He's doing the Nicolas Cage impression and criticism of the Iraq oh, war. My God. We did it. And it was so fucking infuriating as someone that cared about comedy. It w- And like to this day, I will point out, I like, I will constantly refer to Studio 60 whenever I see some dumb thing where like, the whole movie revolves around like our hero making the best painting or writing the best song. And then they actually have the balls to show the thing. And it's not <laughs> worth all the trouble. Oh my God. And I'm like, they just Studio 60 did. That is why Studio 60 has burned a hole in my fucking amygdala. Now I want to go back and watch this. 
That sounds fucking horrible. I mean, it's full of Sorkin shit. And like, if you, you know, people, there's a certain calming patter to Sorkin shit. Oh, no, I, I was I was really into West Wing. I really liked Sports Night, actually, before West Wing even. I thought that was great. Honestly. But then they get to the comedy. They show the fucking sketches. But that's the thing. Like, just, if you watch hmm. anything where the sketch show is in the background of the thing. Yeah, exactly. Like with 30 Rock. Like, So in 30 Rock, they made fun of it. Yeah. And the sketches were so dumb. Yes. And, and it, was, it, it would like, be like a little clip, too. It wouldn't be like a full <laughs> sketch or anything. It would be like a little taste. This is how stupid this stupid show is. And then back to whatever the show is about. So to incorporate it in that way and make it like weirdly serious is so bizarre to me, Jake. I have to look up some uh, clips of that. That's so funny, though. And what a bad idea. And then he did the news show after that, and that's where Sorkin lost me. I never really watched this. Uh, all I knew is that this was the failing show, the S- Studio 60. Also hilarious that they had such similar names. Um, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the 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 network or whatever, oh. the one he did after the, well, after this, I was like, I think I'm good on Sorkin. I think I get it. I'm good. Uh, I just want to say, you know, after after expulsed after expelling so much darkness and ichor onto our precious bonus listeners, uh, I just want to say that um, also premiering in 2006, uh, Blessed Beacon of Hope, uh, Journeyman of Peace, Herald of a Better Era, uh, Guy Fieri's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives nice. premiered in November 2006, going on to get this 32 seasons. Wow. Holden, mathematically, there hasn't, that's more than like, that's so much. That's so that's, many diners. That's so it's, many it's, drive-ins. And by the way, if you'd like to hear more about Guy Fieri and that show, we actually did do a pop history on Guy Fieri over at page seven. So it's amazing. We talk all about that. In terms of prestige TV, I would say Heroes, and I was super not into that. Were you on the Heroes roller coaster ride? I tried, but this was during the same era that I was like getting burned by uh, Lost and Battlestar. So I kind of was like, I don't care about the big mystery. Even though gotcha. the first season of Heroes, people, you know, love. It's that's how it always coherent. works, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how it always works. Uh, then you have Dexter premiering this year, I believe, which is pretty mm-hmm. huge. Uh, in the background, just side note, Death Note's happening. Uh, Big mm-hmm. Love was big, and I did enjoy Big Love quite, quite a bit. Big Love of- is, I think, the show I've watched the most hours of that I have like never once thought about this after like the split yeah. second it ended. A hundred percent. I will I say, I have a definitely show- seen every episode of Big Love. Could not tell you what happened. A show I do think about still to this day, and and will definitely go back and rewatch. Friday Night Lights. Is going strong at this point. I love Friday Night Lights, honestly. And if you don't think you'd like it, give it a shot. It is fucking legit. I mean, it's like a sports anime. That's just exactly what it's like. Like, you have these different relationships and different things happening, you know, and then the competition element just makes it super fun. And, uh, yeah, it's really... And the characters are great. And it's definitely that kind of show where it has characters in it that allow you to escape to a time when people were better to each other. You know, Mm -hmm. it has that vibe to it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, on the Adult Swim front, we got uh, Metalocalypse and Frisky yes. Dingo. Great shows. Yeah. Assy McGee, not as great shows. <laughs> um, that's the whole, that's the deal with Adult Swim, so. And totally to the uh, 5% of Gen Zers that listen, uh, Hannah Montana premiered. Hannah Montana so, big, for sure. Hannah Montana. Oh, Snuffbox. Snuffbox is a great British comedy, I guess, that was out at this time that I We love. should do a whole episode just on Matt Berry. 
at this point. I'm like, uh, yeah, I would love to. Between uh, between Toast of London, uh, Garth Marenghi, and uh, what we do in the shadows, I'm just it's about so good. Man. I'm in a Matt Berry kind of zone. Yeah, he's so great. Yeah, I I mean, I'd say that about covers it. I don't really see anything else that's popping out for me personally. I'm sure somebody will tell me there was one of these shows, Matt, Eureka Matters, but uh, <laughs> I don't remember Eureka. So, uh, yeah, I think that about does it, right, Jake? You good? Wow, there was I'm, a TV series based off of the off of uh, Blade? Interesting. All right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's oh, I guess leaving. Bizarre Foods. I watched way too much Bizarre Foods. Speaking that's, of Matt Berry, IT I crowd as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shit. Shit, we gotta do a Matt Berry episode. I've declared we, do it. An I- we could do an IT crowd episode. We could too, do an actually. IT like crowd episode. Perfect fodder for Wisdom the Bruiser. Can we do All a right. whole bonus episode about which magician movie is actually better? <laughs> we could. We could Both definitely do just that. Talking magician movies. It's definitely the pres- prestige though. But either way Actually it's now uh, you see me too, and that was uh, a trick question. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for a look back in time, 2006. Definitely going to keep doing these as they are a fascinating walk down memory lane. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Oh, Planet Earth. That was a big one for me, getting really high watching (laughs) Planet Earth. Also, I didn't watch a bit ugly Betty for any of you Bettyites out there. Either way, thank you again for your patronage, and we will get to you next time next week with another bonus episode. Until then, hey, thanks. Thanks again. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University... We know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.